and good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Lauren Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest today is Valetta Lill. She's a former Dallas City Council member. She served from 1997 to 2005. She's an honorary lesbian. She's a former executive director of the Dallas Arts District. Uh, she's the executive director or president of the Dallas Historical Society. Chair. Chair of the board. Chair of the board of the Dallas Historical Society. And she's busy fixing Fair Park single-handedly. <laughs> she cleaned up the mess in the Hall of State, and she's rebuilding uh, the automobile building. I saw her painting on the Centennial Building. She does it all. And she's, she, has a, she has like a 10-year plan on the Hall of State, so every two years we have to fix whatever damage comes in because of the... <laughs> Weather. <laughs> she's already she's already planned for it. <laughs> and this is her first time in this new studio. It is <coughs> my first time. Yeah. Well, welcome to our new studio. Well, thank you. We would you. have had you at the old studio, but the tornado blew the building down. I I was at the. Is this my third one? At least oh, it's fourth, I fourth. think. Okay. Because you've been to the crack house. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, you were at over off of Capitol. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The, and then yeah, yeah. there was Maple. And we were on yes. Maple. And, but yeah. then there was another one that was sort of south of 635, wasn't there? Yeah, that's the one that blew up. That's the, the one, one that blew up. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay, so we're on studio studio number four. Right. Well, four and a half because we were at the tower for a few weeks. But I, I did not make an appearance. You did no. not make an appearance at the Scorpion Field. You, you yeah. would not want to have been yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. Consider yourself lucky you missed that one. <laughs> Big Gallon's a scorpion killer. Anyway, um, Valletta is also a Kukling Award winner. She's sitting on a chair that was donated by her co-Kukling winner, Chris Luna. Correct. Uh, congratulations on your Kukling Award. Thank you. That makes us Kukling brothers. Cousins, Cousins, something, Cousins. So, something like that. I don't, I don't know what it would be. Um, and um, among the things that you're working to save at Fair Park, um, the, actually, the Dallas Historical Society has like three million items. We do. Okay, so what are they? <laughs> a lot of paper. <laughs> we have a lot of paper. Uh, we have some really super cool things, too. I presume um, a lot of photos. We, ha we have a lot of photos and a lot of paper. A lot of our maps, original maps for Dallas or for Texas. Um, interestingly enough, a number of Bibles. Mm. Uh, John Neely Bryan's Bible, for example. Um, if you remember Reverend Griggs, who was mm -hmm. Griggs Park, uh, is named after Reverend Griggs. Yeah, and he served on the city council. No, he goes back and further. Ran, ran for mayor recently against <laughs> Eric. Oh, you're thinking of Griggs. The Wrong. other Griggs. Oh, the other yeah. one. Oh, okay, okay. Not a contemporary. Not a contemporary. Uh, we have Quanah Parker's pipe bag. <gasps> Wow. Um, which was damaged during the storm and is multimedia in the sense that it is leather and feather and beads. So working through finding a conservator, still working through finding a conservator because we don't want it to travel far. It's a little fragile. Um, we have the only signed copy of General Order Number Three, which you will know better as the Juneteenth document. And General Granger uh, brought the G General Order Number Three to Galveston from D.C. Um, and he w he that is the document that we hold. That's, wow. that's really really impressive. It, it, it is super cool. Do you know yeah. how that came into Dallas's possession? It came into Dallas's possession um, through uh, George, George Bannerman Dealey. Mm. And uh, Dealey had founded the paper in Galveston and then eventually moved to Dallas and brought a number of things with him. And this one is signed by the general and, and others, but think of it, it, it would have been... These things were posted, essentially, uh, at the time. And so there were probably several of them at the time. This is one that happened to be saved. 
and moved and preserved. Would a copy of it have been sent to every major town? I'm, I'm, I was going to say city, but they were really just towns at the time. Yes. Probably. And yes. so this yes. was the one that was sent to but Dallas. But this is the one that General Granger was there mm-hmm. with, and it was signed, you know. Signed by I him. think there were six signatures on it. Hmm. So we bring it out um, uh, Juneteenth every year. Um, which is now a national holiday. Which is now a national mm-hmm. holiday. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Um, which is super cool. Um, and somebody who grew up in Illinois, the Midwest, land of Lincoln, um, you know, the Juneteenth document and Juneteenth was sort of foreign to me until I arrived here. Yeah. Because we're all about the Emancipation Proclamation. And then I arrived here, I was like, oh, the Texans, yeah. this is one more thing besides gun racks that <laughs> when I arrived. Uh, oh, is that what you that. noticed first, the gun racks? <laughs> it's hard to miss. <laughs> I don't even know if people have gun racks anymore because you want it closer than behind you. I don't know. Um, Railings along I think, a I think, seat. I think you have these uh, sort of uh, some sort of armature that you can put your gun in, in the, right next to you kind of thing rather than that's where you keep it in in your uh, pickup <laughs> <laughs> see I always laugh because when you speak of like transportation in Texas everybody has to have their horse I mean it really is uh, that's the way it is. I mean, we all have our little cars and stuff, but it's really, we haven't left the horse days. It's like, if I want to go from point A to point B, I have to have my horse. I can't, that's why we have no good public transportation and all of that. But, you know. You know, the strange thing that I remember when my husband and I first came was the amount of cigarette butts that were in sort of uh, drains going down toward the um, storm drains. <laughs> Did everybody dump their cigarette butts into that? Just thought that was odd. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people must have smoked back then. I don't know. But anyway. But we have a lot of cool things. And a lot of things are maps and photographs and books and Bibles. and um, one, you know. one of the photographic things that we have at uh, Hall of State and they were damaged during the uh, during the yes. freeze. Were these I forgot what they're called, but oratones. Oratones, and we're the only one, or we have the largest oratones anywhere in the country. Yeah, are they damaged? Probably or? anywhere in the world. Huh? Pray tell, what is an oratone? An oratone, um, oro from the Latin gold, mm-hmm. it, it, and it is a process of layering. Um, of a photograph use, using the negative, and it's basically going on to a plate. Um, and the, the chemical process creates more of a gold look. And these are in the walls. Um, there are 17 of them. In the walls? In the walls, in two different rooms. So, um, mm. and they... Actually, the woman whose grandfather was George Dahl, who built Fair Park, said to me, oh, they're backlit. I said, oh, really? And so when we went to take them down because they were damaged during the freeze in the water, there were no lights back there. Essentially, it's, it's almost illuminated from Ref- within. Reflecting the light. It's ah, reflecting the Absorbing light. and reflecting it. So they're, they're, they're quite beautiful. Um, how, the, explain how large the, these are. Car? Pencil. <laughs> I, bigger than a bread box. I, I like Size two, of a window? Two or three feet. Um, um, you know, three feet across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three yeah. feet yeah. across, not quite that. That's pretty big. That's They're big. They're, they are big, and of course the room is very large, so you may not recognize it as quite that big. But they're, um, And what they are... A woman by the name of Polly Smith, who was in her, she was about 27 years old when she was hired by the Centennial Committee, who was, and remember, the Centennial of Texas was basically, at, you know, what is Texas really good at? Marketing themselves. <laughs> we are all about, you know, 
we're the biggest, we're the best, we're this, we're that. And it was her job to drive around the state and capture just people, animals, landscapes that could be used in different for- forms of media, you know, basically magazines. So she drove the interstate and took pictures on her cell phone. <laughs> She had a really nice iPhone. Um, she basically had a truck with a developer in the back, and she drove by herself on the mm-hmm. highways and byways and back. Um, I mean, then it was still mostly byways. It was mostly byways, and imagine being 27 years old, female, by yourself. Uh, and those byways of Texas. And yeah. those were byways of, of Texas. And she took photographs for Neiman Marcus, and she took them for sheep herders, and you know, all these different aspects of, of Texas. And the idea was to sell the life of Texas. And a number of these obviously end up in these magazines and and in the windows of Neiman Marcus and so forth. But they also ended up in the walls of the Hall of State because everything in the Hall of State is an artwork, largely. I read some statistic this morning, uh, something like 17% of the budget to build the Hall of State went to artwork. Yes, that's a huge amount. It is. Mm-hmm. And at the time, the building was the most expensive per square foot built in Texas. It's my favorite building at Fair Park. I always like to stop by there. My favorite is the Diego Rivera mural. We have no Diego. Not Diego Rivera. Um, <laughs> what's Not that I wouldn't Gosh, love to have a mural. Diego Rivera. It's a mural. David Busted on radio. Imagine. No, no, no. <laughs> Uh, who is it? Um, we have when you walk straight in. Oh, uh, when into the Great Hall. Yeah, it's Savage. It's okay. William Savage. Sorry. And you wouldn't walk straight in anyway. Well, I walk kind of <laughs> cockeyed in. I, Sorry. Just, I love. There, there that. are multiple artists that are the murals. So. Ola Travis is one of them. Nita Meyer is one of them. Mm-hmm. But women also w- worked a lot in Fair Park, women artists. Um, Allie Tennant, the big Tejas warrior, was a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Dorothy Austin, the cowboy you see, the wooden carved cowboy. And also the grills on the doors, beautiful gold Doors. Those are both done by a woman by the name of Dorothy Austin. Hmm. So, yeah. going back to Dallas Historical Society, three million artifacts. Can you talk about how you acquire those? Um, and are they limited to Dallas history, Dallas Fort Worth history, North Texas, or can any part of history be donated? Largely, it's Texas. Texas. Okay. The, the greater focus is on Dallas, but when we were founded, as I said people were moving here, such as Steely, and giving us items. And so we cover Texas, and the Hall of State is the state building of Texas. And so it's supposed to be about about Texas. Largely, people donate. Um, interestingly enough, during the centennial, when items were placed in that building to be displayed, because it was to display all about Texas. And essentially, um, a year later, we basically said, well, if you want your stuff back, you better come by, you know, (laughs) next weekend or so. (laughs) And when people didn't come, they sort of, ended up in the collection so they have ended up in the collection over the over the years one by being brought there for the centennial and two people donating and prominent families donate um we don't do a lot of like music like uh, art museums in terms of going out and buying things and acquiring them most of them are are donations now we do have a number, you know, Santa Ana spurs and sort of unique battle items. We have guns and and things like that that family members 
have given us o- o- over time. Um, that would be a place for you to put your family collection of guns, Patty. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I well, do. I do hope we'll pass them on to the Dallas Historical Society. All zero of them. You know, Dallas is lucky to have a number of places where archives are, and the Dallas Public Library um, is amazing. What they is have. an amazing archival reserve. Have you uh, seen it the on, Dallas- the, on the seventh floor? No, I haven't been to the archives. We have the only copy of the Declaration of Independence west of the Mississippi. Wow. And I think we have a Shakespeare, Shakespeare folio, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. Uh-huh. So we have a number of um, unique and rare items, plus a lot of Dallas and Texas history. Mm-hmm. And then the city of Dallas has a pretty extensive archives themselves. And then UNT, where you will find the Dallas Way archives, Mm -hmm. is just up the road and has significant archives of its own, as well as SMU. So we are fortunate if you are doing some kind of research on almost anything um, that is related to Texas. You can find it at the Historical Society, um, at the City of Dallas, at the library at UNT or SMU, mm-hmm. which using any one of those would be is a great mm-hmm. great privilege. What a what a treat if you're in that that uh, academic pathway to become an archivist. There, I think that's the coolest. That's thing. so cool. <laughs> That's I don't so know cool. everybody does going over dusty documents and that sort of thing and putting on your gloves and so forth. But I, I find the stories of history, you know, the, the, the tales, the papers, the maps, you can learn so much about yourself through that kind of thing. The first time the Dallas Way did an exhibit, there was a picture uh, on the wall of Cece and me. Uh, from something that we had done in like 1993, so I said, "Cece, come on over here," because she was there. Cece, look, we're an artifact. <laughs> <laughs> you are indeed. <laughs> Let's take our break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis and the late Patty Fink, and our guest is Valetta Lill. We're talking history and more, and we'll be back right after this. Now at the. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. And Candy will be with us in just a few weeks. Uh, We're talking to Valetta Lil. We were talking a little bit of history. Okay, so we collect all these things. Why is it so important to preserve our history? A little bit more about our future <laughs> helps us make decisions for the future, not just they're not. I, I don't think of a history as frozen in time in most instances. I think of it as it's on a continuum um, of, of what's happening, and so you look back and go, Oh, well, I can kind of see why that decision was made based on this happening um, people use our archives to to write novels and and books and papers and and for academic reasons and cc and i looked at that picture of us and we went oh my god what were we thinking with that hair <laughs> well anyone who lived in the 90s was saying that Those of us who've been in public life a long time can 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 look at our lives through our hairstyles. Right. (laughs) Look how tall it was in the late eighties and early nineties. Especially the eighties. And permed. Yeah. And permed. Oh, I have some on my phone. One of me at Fair Park with like do you remember Rosanna, Rosanna Dana? Oh yeah. What was I thinking when I walked out of the store? <laughs> that you were so cool. Because <laughs> we all did it. I think, I think I've burned all my perm pictures. <laughs> I hope I have. And how, or just it, you know, the height that you could do. The hairspray. The Aquanet. That we, <laughs> oh, the Aquanet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For our young listeners, Aquanet was... I don't know. It's like shellac for your hair. And if you didn't use it, it all fell. 
You know, that's what Erin says about New Orleans and the humidity. Oh, she says, heavens. you know, humidity is the great equalizer. Because <laughs> yeah. then everybody's kind of like. So, there anything, or is there anything like somebody may want to donate that they think might be of importance, and you all at the historical society is like, mm, that's not really something significant that we want. You know, we might look at something and think there may be another place that it might find a better home, so to speak. Um, and, you know, museums deaccession things on an intermittent basis. I mean, I, I can't think of anything we've deaccessioned recently, but there is a way of doing that, and deaccessioning means basically. Getting rid, rid of, of it. <laughs> it's a nice way to put it. But if there is something where another institution may have a much larger collection of, you know. Of Fort Worth items, say, you might transfer it over to the Fort Worth archives. We, we, ha we have certainly a number of, you know, fashion, women's dresses and that, that sort of thing. But Women of the Southwest at SMU has a bigger collection. Uh, and would it match with that collection? So in a lot of cases, yes. In most cases, yeah, we probably will take it. In other cases, it may find a better more aligned home. When I had a friend um, several years ago who was going through a bunch of photos and was throwing some away. And I was like, how can you throw away like family photos? And she said, well, maybe I should give them to others. But I have, like when someone takes a, a group photo, they take 10. I don't need 10 copies of this photo. Right. So you must have like a lot of superlative everything um, that like we've got, we've got 10 of these. We don't need 25 of them. And you just deaccession something. And we discovered out. some of that during um, the freeze flood. Um, actually, it was less duplicative on photos than it was on, interestingly enough, books. Really? Um, and they weren't. They were more about an author who came to speak at the Historical Society and left us ten books, <laughs> and we ended up with. Ten books, and some of the, and those aren't stored in the same way, let's say, as all these other super, you know, rare items. So in that case, you know, you can allow the release of of that. Yeah, we do get duplicative of pictures and and that sort of thing. You're only scanning one. Yeah, in I mean, the system largely. You know, there are there are artists who use <laughs> those anymore, mm -hmm. um, and I love. I don't know whether you do going sometimes to uh, secondhand shops and curiosities and places like mm -hmm. that, and sort of going through. I mean, you, you never know when you're going to find a Gordon Parks in there. You know, sure. somebody's photograph that that is a great photographer anyway. But artists use them. In different ways as well. I'm seeing um, when we did essentially Aurora in Fort Worth at Pioneer Tower, one of the big pieces in the exhibition was a lot of historic photos hmm. of, of Fort Worth history. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was rodeos or downtown businesses or whatever. So artists use them too. Um, the other thing that archives are used for is just research. I know absolutely. at UNT, the LGBT archives are accessed more than all of their other archives put together. Uh, it's been used for research for movies like the Dallas Buyers Club. Exactly. Uh, I mean, T-shirts that I had donated, it was like, oh, there's my shirt. <laughs> um, you know, and they were copies, but uh, that's where some of the uh, the posters that uh, demonstrations came directly from pictures. Exactly. So, the other thing we, we we have maps and architectural drawings. So, if you're doing work on a building at Fair Park, you can find the original architecture plans, and mm -hmm. people come and look at mm -hmm. look at those of, you know, the the Magnolia Lounge or the Museum of Natural History or whatever, and you can find out where the mechanicals are or whatever. If somebody wants to know a little, so every time somebody does the latest iteration 
of renovation, they may go come back and look at those original ones. Find all the secret passages. Find the secret passages, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, that was how they found the wonderful murals on the Centennial Building that had been painted over in the Automobile Building. Those had been painted over, and it was just during a renovation right. in the 80s uh, that they were taking off a layer of paint, and they found these wonderful frescoes. Yes. Um, so. You know, there was a time... He went from the Centennial to, to the Pan American exhibit, mm -hmm. and so they painted a lot of those buildings out there, sort of sherbet colors, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. very tropical in nature, and some of that stuff got covered over then. Other reasons, you know, maintaining them may, may have become difficult, so they were painted over in some things, and some things actually disappeared. The Woofus is an example, the mythical creature, which there was actually, a, the Woofus was there and then disappeared, and then it was recreated. Same with Tenor and Contralto, the, the over the over the big esplanade. Um, a number of works get lost, and there may be maquettes, which you would think of as a model, at the Hall of State, and those are used to reproduce. So while we're talking about Fair Park, I told you before the show, when um, I have a guest come into town, I always take them to Fair Park, and they always, to show them something different that other cities don't have. No other city has something just like Fair right. Park. Uh, and the comment is always, you know, this is wonderful. I, I've never heard of this, and, you know, this is just so unique. And the comment that I always get is, and where are all the people? Because other than during the state fair, so the city has plans to get the people. Okay. So I, when I was sitting on the council in 2003, we did a comprehensive plan of Fair Park. And we said a, a number of recommendations came out of that. But basically, the two things that most people should remember, one of them says you need more green space. If there's park in your name, you need green. Um, and we have acres and acres and acres of, of parking lots, that yes. to, which Concrete. creates a heat island. So you need green space for people, but you, always, you also need it for the health of South Dallas and East Dallas. And then the second thing was get the management of the city of, of Fair Park under a single management structure. So don't have it as the city owns it and manages it. Um, the fair works there 90 days, 60 days out of the year, and sort of they've taken over. And then Friends of Fair Park and the other institutions. It was a fractured um, and they had the Women's Museum, and they had right. all these different entities. And all these different entities. So the city went out to bid in 2017 and said, we'd like a third-party manager. And um, a new nonprofit was formed, Fair Park First, and they work with a venue management company, which is Spectra, um, to take over Fair Park. And we took, I'm, I'm on the board of the nonprofit, and we took over uh, January 1 uh, of 2019. This is fortuitous given, you know, uh, <laughs> how good. We had one year before, <laughs> before a pandemic. Yeah. And, and if you're in the business of trying to bring people to, to some place, and then you find yourself in a pandemic where you can't have anybody come. Uh, it becomes a little more a little more challenging. Um, but we continue to do the work that we needed to do, and that is to master plan that the entire 277 acres. How will we? Refurbish buildings that we need to refurbish. How would we build new buildings? We'll build a community park, which is a promise that's left over from the 60s when the city <gasps> took the land from black homeowners. That's uh, that's a generation yeah. gone. Two. Yeah. Never got the park. And, two. But there, two, and, but two. there are still people living whose homes were lost. Um, so we made a commitment we would raise the money privately and, and build a park. 
uh, and it will be on FitChu. And we've undertaken an $85 million uh, capital campaign to build that park. And it will be 14 acres. It will be over by Dos Equis. You know where Dos Equis entrance mm-hmm. is. It will be over there. Well, for uh, people who don't know Dos Equis, they might know it as Smirnoff. They might know it as the Yellow Pages. They might know it as Starplex. It's just Starplex. If you're old enough, you know it as Starplex. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I think it was, I, I, like... Three pages. It had some weird name at one point, but it is over at Fitzhugh and Robert B. Cullum, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we will build a 14 acre park. So oh. when, dur- during the pandemic, we've been, you know, we started our fundraising. We've raised about 16 million of it, mm-hmm. but we'll be obviously raising more. We will plan- there be trees? There will be trees. There will be a pavilion, a performance pavilion. There will be a place to do markets and food trucks and all those things. The thing missing about Fair Park is connective, connectivity. That w- and so part of the master plan is to build sort of tree trails between, so it becomes walking paths and you move from the aquarium over to the Hall of State, for example, mm-hmm. let's say. We found a new operator for the Children's Aquarium, and they have really upped their game. If you haven't been there, take the kids. Um, it's there's plenty of parking. There's plenty, <laughs> and there's plenty of parking. Actually, you park right out front, um, and they've put in picnic tables, and they're going to be selling food and all this stuff, and they've done a super good job. Kind of a petting zoo for stingrays and different kinds of animals. We went to the state legislature, and the, there was a bill in 1997 called the Primer Bill, which is what essentially allowed you to build the American Airlines Center. It allowed you, allowed them, the city, to increase its hotel-motel tax, and at that time also its car rental tax, and that 2% incremental increase was used that revenue to back the bonds, which built the center, which got paid off. But the one thing you couldn't do with that money was a park. So we went to the legislature, this past legislative session, and got it changed to allow to increase the hotel motel tax in Dallas to uh, 2%. It's it's from a, a 13% 13% to 15%. Um, and use it for parks? And use it for Fair Park. Oh, wow. Specifically Fair Park. It's, it, it says, those of you who understand bracketed bills, it says a park of more than 100 acres in a city of more than a million people that is a national historic landmark. <laughs> that's, well, let's pinpoint this. Yeah, that's pretty specific. <laughs> Thank you, Senator West. Yeah, and that only, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, how did you get anything passed in this legislature? And it was bipartisan. Yeah. Wow. So, how did you get anything passed bipartisan in this legisla- this legislative? Uh, the climate? the leaders on this were uh, Representative Anchia and Senator West, and it went through uh, International Affairs and Economic Development, which was chaired by um, Representative Angie Chen Button who represents sort of Collin County. And uh, part Richardson. of Garland. Richardson, yeah. Dallas County, Collin County kind of. Yeah. Um, and she was a big supporter, hmm. big fan of Fair Park. And you didn't have to do anything, promise to do anything to trans kids? <laughs> No, wow. We did not have to. Okay, well, that's, that, that's an accomplishment in this. <laughs> and in this uh, Representative Crockett and uh, Representative Morgan Meyer stepped up. All huh. all five of them. So oh, it passed nice. uh, with bipartisan support, which is was an amazing accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And so in November, the voters will be asked. There'll be a proposition asking you to increase the hotel motel tax specifically for these buildings in Fair Park. And it's not only it's specific buildings in Fair Park because they need to be um, 
sort of tourist gathering spaces. So the Cotton Bowl and the the Music Hall and the Band Shell and the Centennial Building and that sort of thing. But someplace between 150, 200 million, as high as 300 million could come for that. <laughs> that is more money that's been invested in Fair Park than mm-hmm. since the Centennial, essentially. Wow. And when it so, comes around, we're going to have yard signs that said that say, Valetta said vote for Proposition X. Exactly. <laughs> and the so other thing know. is, we may, yes, ma'am. we may get a piece of World Cup. Woohoo! Um, and it would be sort of North Texas getting a piece, and obviously Jerry World gets a piece, but... A broadcast center, perhaps, in Fair Park and some of the games, which we had in 1994. And that would infuse both more more, more money uh, into the buildings. And um, we're still working through the $50 million we got in the 2017 bond, plus we hope a 2024 bond. So someplace in, plus the private philanthropy that's being raised. 400 million, mm-hmm. 500 million in Fair Park. That will change the landscape. It will. And that neighborhood will be, it'll be transformative. It will be. We try to be protective in the neighborhood in the sense of gentrification, and there have been bills that didn't get passed that we hope will in the future that keep the property taxes low in some of those areas so they can generationally pass those those homes and that sort of thing. But jobs-wise, it will be transformative. Wow. One of the things I love, absolutely love, about Fair Park is the collaboration with DART to put in that stop literally at the Perry Gate. That and the and the Art Deco all about it. Right. It's just um, an amazing thing. When I have uh, friends that come into town, um, colleagues from work that say they want to go to the fair, I'm like, just get the green line. Just get the green line. And it's and it spits you out right there. Right there. And then you just leave. You just wait for the next one and and come back. I had stopped going to the state fair because parking was so awful. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't do lines, so to sit and wait to get into uh, Fair Park for a, a parking. Ugh. And now you can Dart get a, a Dart ticket with your with your fare ticket, right? All in one. And there's actually a second stop, the MLK mm-hmm. stop, uh, and a lot of people will use that for North Texas Irish Festival and some some other things. So what we are going to be working on is in is improving that experience because the one that you talk about that is at the front door on Perry across from my favorite favorite Mescalaria (laughs) (laughs) which I love to sit there and have my margarita and 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 watch over it but we want a better experience on the MLK because it's about three blocks outside of Fair Park it is it so, is. It, yeah. It's two, but it's it's, it's a long two, long two if you know then. what I mean. Yeah. 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 We need yeah. to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Valetta Lill. We're talking about Fair Park and historical preservation, stuff like that. We'll be back with more right after this. I'm Christina from the Owens, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. <laughs> And welcome back to Lambda Weekly. We're talking to Valetta Lill about, oh, Fair Park and uh, historic preservation. Laron, you had a... Oh, you want me to turn your microphone on before you start talking? (laughs) It'd be nice. Oh, okay. (laughs) He wants to know he's alive. (laughs) So, prior to the pandemic... Um, we had our Pride event at, um, yep. at Fair Park for the first time. And I, th- I think it's kind of split down the middle in the community. Some people like it. Some people did not like it. Um, but in an effort to get things, more things year-round, what do you all think? Would you all like to see Pride uh, State at Fair Park as a permanent entity? Absolutely. Okay. And, and work with the community, you know, Every event evolves, um, and work with the community to see 
how you wanted to evolve. Um, do you want night parades? Do you want, you know, um, I... We loved it. We I, wanted to stay there. Yeah, I love having all these different things at Fair Park. Yeah. And um, one of our challenges is, and we talked to this before we went on air, and that is your your locations are disparate. So last night I was there and there was an event at the African American Museum. Broadway Dallas was playing Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, Snoop Dogg was in town at Dos Equis. There was a wedding. There were all these different things. But unless you are more integrated, walking around, you don't realize that went on. You know there was some traffic when you pulled up. And you're like, where, where are these people going? Uh, and then you're just irritated. <laughs> <laughs> so we're working on the parking experience, too. You know, I mean, we had, when you have, like, we had Hamilton and we had uh, the Rolling Stones. I mean, 50,000 people coming to see the Rolling Stones descending on it at one time. It was challenging. <laughs> but, yes, we want more events like Pride. And it is a bigger space than you're accustomed to, and it's a different space. So let's figure out what that looks like for the future. Well, one of the things that would be great that I loved about it being in the hood, um, in the gay is all the ba- bars and the restaurants. Well, no, it's just that we were, we were, our parade was for us, but it was also for the neighborhoods. Uh huh. And the neighborhoods really came out for it because it was, it's a BFD. Come on. It's a, it's a great parade. And a lot you of know? people brought the kids. Yes. And, and absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, like just parading for us <laughs> kind of inside, uh, inside Fair Park, we kind of lose some of that neighborhood yeah. connection. But you know what I do love is the festival in Fair Park because it was built for festivals. Right. Yes. I, and I think that's so, the part that I really, really like. The festival was amazing. And there were a lot, a lot of families there. And there were, and and then there was also that ability of if you got inclement weather, you know, as somebody who's been, uh, you know, grand marshal during a downpour, uh, <laughs> and a judge, know, and down about your hair in Aquanet, <laughs> um, I would love to have a place to escape to. And that did happen. And that did happen. It did happen. It started raining, I think, on the second or third date, and we were able to escape inside for until it passed. Yep, absolutely Now, one right. thing about having the parade in Fair Park, there's a great area to line up without triple decking on the street. And right. It's much safer. Um, and, and then when the parade is over, there's a place for the floats to go. Yes. And, and as somebody who had the arts district to take care of before, and now I realize how small it is, <laughs> when I got to Fair Park and realized 277 acres versus 68 acres. That 68 looks... But... But those 68 acres are contiguous and the largest in the country for Well, they are contiguous and the largest in the country. But I can tell you, until you put... 20, 30,000 people on the 50,000 people on the streets, people don't know how many people are there. True. Um, yeah. Because if it, it's the same problem you have at Fair Park. If everybody's at the DMA or along Harwood or in the park, they don't realize what's happening at the Windspear, for example. Um, and we suffer in the Arts District the same problem as we do in a fair park, and that is you need more places to eat and drink. Yeah. And we put them in, um, and, I mean, besides when you go and get your corny dog. Right. At the fair. <laughs> we need, we need year-round food experiences. Um, and the other thing that we've done is create a cultural district. And the Arts District is a state cultural district, and Deep Ellum is a state cultural district. And now Fair Park, from, fa- from Exposition mm-hmm. down to the Forest Theater, are a single cultural district. Really? Um, and so we will... In the future, be marketing together when Forest Theater, for example, opens. We'll be marketing together on a, you know, our website and trying to do 
different things together um, and get state funding for that. that that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So, just those just those things. So but, I, want, I want to go back to the Arts District a little bit. Okay. Um, you were executive director of it for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, the founding one. The one that got <laughs> the, the original. The one that pulled it all together. <laughs> <laughs> that made it happen. Now, an, an Arts <laughs> District is a living, breathing thing. It is. What would you like to see there? You said restaurants, uh, and I think there are like two now. Well, there's Arch Actually, One. There are, it, it, Is it more you than know, that? You've got, the, you've got a balance now. You can always use more balance, but Yoke, so you can go for breakfast. Um, and the Playwrights Pub, if you want to go, great grilled cheese and Irish whiskey. I'm telling you the best. Uh, and then there are the other nicer restaurants that have gone in not only in hall um in uh, hall arts mm-hmm. which also has a hotel um but you have i don't know maybe 10 restaurants in there now oh is it that many it yeah. is it is and some higher end and some like Gilk, which is you know, here's basically. something i always said the arts district needs it has its high-end museums and they're world-class quality museums I'd like to see art galleries going. And there's an, uh, the Green Family Foundation was just announced in the last mm, couple of days they're going to have a space down there. Yes, you need a couple of galleries. And that is true. I'd like to see more galleries in, in Uptown. We lost a number of them in Uptown over the years when it got to be pricey mm-hmm. real estate. We Most of those have moved to Dragon Street in the Design District. Which and that's is now pricey. Which is now pricing itself out of that yeah. business. So if you're, you know, you have to sell higher-end art, and you want to be able, now what we call the Tin District, which is go across the bridge mm-hmm. that everybody made fun of, is actually no more, you know, it's not a bridge to nowhere. It's a bridge to somewhere. I used to and call it the, the bridge art. to raise gun shop because <laughs> it was the first business on the other side of the... Raise was. But there's now the, the Tin District mm-hmm. and um, Fabrication Yard and all these places where young and emerging artists and artists of color are moving into those places and you can go buy great art. So that'll be the new place until people get pushed out. You know, artists and, you know, LGBT communities, usually the first one into a neighborhood. (laughs) Right. I'd love to see art galleries, but not just high-end galleries. Exactly. In in the arts district itself. Like an Ola Pedrita kind of thing. Something like that, but studios even. Mm -hmm. Well, and there there was an intention of that in that new high-rise apartment there between, well, it's by the Nasher. Um, and essentially couldn't get the funding. You know, mm. got a um, little bit of a tax credit deal, but not enough for the expendable. You have to have greater incentives in order to create that affordability, both for the housing of the artists, but for the studios of the artists. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, Fair Park is one of those areas where you have we have galleries in Exposition Park and in the area because people can still afford it, and we want them to stay there because sure. they're oh. important to our ecosystem. Oh, I'm not talking about moving them. I'm talking about adding. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So. And in some cases, municipalities or states have... Affordable housing is the other component of that, both for artists and for non-artists. You got to have a place for people to live mm-hmm. that they can um, actually afford to. They can right. actually afford to. So, David, you are correct. More galleries, more galleries, more galleries right. for all of these unique and great spaces that we do have. So, I, I have to share this story because it's something that, that Aaron and I experience every time we go to the Windspear. But you know that long line shuffle, you know, like you're in the line and you just move six inches and then you move six inches. Is this since they are now checking for your gun? No, no, no. But okay. we, as, we're, as we're entering the Windspear and they have these glass double doors in the front and you get kind of right there and you look off to the right, there's this front window that's all glass and it goes on. And it has a dedication on it for a donor. It's, it has a name. Like, this is the whatever front 
panel of glass on the windspare. And I'm like, that's Valletta. She got somebody <laughs> to give money for the for that. Actually, that was Bill Lively and some other people getting that money. But yeah, <laughs> uh, this is this is her handiwork. <laughs> Find a spot. This is a perfect spot because I'm staring at it. You know what I mean? Like I'm in that long line shuffle. I'm gonna look. I it like, works. <laughs> I like to think of myself as the person who helped knit it together. Not necessarily the person who found all the money, but the person who helped to make sure that it had different kinds of art forms and institutions that came together in a, in a space. Well, you did a stellar, stellar <laughs> job. And I remember you telling me kind of like, like off the cuff about you know, that Pearl Arts District and how hard it was to get that arts it, district. It, it into took the- me almost eighteen months to change the dart line, the the station name, from Pearl Street to Pearl Arts District. <laughs> But you did it. But I did it. Yeah. And the same thing with the food trucks. It took me about 18, 18 months to change. See, do you know what I love about that station and the one at Fair Park? If I'm going to see a show, I grew up in New York. Part of the experience of going to see Broadway is on the subway, go to the theater, yep. walk from the theater back to the subway, and take and the go. train home. That's right. Yeah. That's right. First time I did that, I will never forget. It was like, okay, now I feel like I've really gone to see the theater. (laughs) It's a real city. Um, Going back to Fair Park, there are a number of buildings that are not being used right now. One was the old women's museum that just didn't take off. Um, The old art museum, the DMA Uh building. Uh, I, I love that little museum. And it's it's not as little as you think. It's not. It's not that little. Yeah. But I mean, compared to the museum that we have downtown it was uh small yes um the um building that was the science museum closed when the perot museum opened downtown are there any plans for those buildings the muse what well, used to be the museum of natural history and you know it because there's a mammoth mm-hmm. sculpture out front mm-hmm. um early this summer will become the fair park visitor center uh-huh. Fair Park what? Visitor Center. Center. Oh, nice. Uh, and you can come in there and learn about the plans and our, what we have for the future. And, there will be, and the Sports Commission, part of Visit Dallas, has moved in. They have their offices oh. in that building mm. now. And, and they're working with us to big, bring big sporting events. Are any of those big dioramas still there? They are there and they must remain there. Good. So we will be doing, in the not-too-distant future, a fundraiser dinner in the wild with the stuffed animals. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, the DMA, which I love and has great spaces in it, has now been totally gutted. Uh, and asbestos and anything else like that taken out. And we are entertaining folks who might want to come there. I envision it in the short term as sort of let's do pop-up arts kind of things. You know, I can Mm -hmm. see, you know, I'm a co-founder of Aurora, which Mm -hmm. is the outdoor light festival, and I'd love to do... Which packs the arts district. Have you been to it? Yes, and it's amazing. Laurent, have you been down Mm -hmm. there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would like to do... I want to. I want to do something in the future in Fair Park and that building. Mm-hmm. I would love. To so do you that. mentioned, um, and I know this is really far away, but I know you mentioned bringing um, sports offices will uh, focus on bringing more sporting events to Dallas. Yeah. So has Dallas ever thought about pitching this name in for the Olympics? We did. Oh, we and did we, a bit. Uh, it was. We did it twice. That we that we put in our and um, then 9/11 happened and everything went crazy. We're more likely to to pitch. Um, as I said, we're seriously on the World Cup. World, World Cup. Yeah. It's 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 not as expensive to do. Um, I'd like the Winter Olympics here. I'd like to see downhill skiing and Oak Cliff. Wow. You know. But I I, I don't want to say Dallas will never do that again. I think Dallas is more focused on doing things. We bought, interestingly enough, at the beginning of 2020, one of the last big events we had, National Hockey League um, Classic. 
Mm-hmm. Second highest, and we did it in the Cotton Bowl, second highest attendance hockey game in hockey history. Hmm. Wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's Well, people don't realize, if you've never been in the Cotton Bowl, people don't realize how huge it is. It, no, it, is, huge, it is huge, and part of that money that's Barmer Bill will be to improve, because it's got narrow corridors and not enough bathrooms and all that kind of thing that mm-hmm. you need to make it more friendly. I mean, it's not going to be, you know, AT&T Stadium, but it does need to be a better experience for both those playing there and both those consuming and i think you know going there to me is always a treat when there's an event there um because you just get there's so much history there's so much being there you know i saw the rolling stones in 1972 (laughs) (laughs) which tells you how old i am because i was of age when i saw them in 72 um and i saw them this november and it was this Fabulous, and and I saw him in Chicago in '72. But being in the Cotton Bowl with the aging Mick Jagger and seeing him on a giant screen was like, yes, yeah, thank you, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally I'd say we're running out of time, but I don't see the next show here, and I don't see that they have pulled up either. So I have to say, I I have fond so we'll, memories we'll of going, going to things in um, reunion arena. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, I saw uh, that Tina Turner. I yeah. miss Reunion Arena. The acoustics were great. Yes, they really were. We're gonna do, um, and we've already done a fourteen million dollar renovation in the Coliseum hmm. in Fair Park, and we're gonna do more. The acoustics are now. In fact, we had Turtle Creek Corral out there for one of their original concerts coming out of the pandemic. So. We're going to make that a better experience, and that'll be a small, more intimate, uh, intimate. I mean, <laughs> right. It's, but it's not Dos Equis. Um, and then the other thing, the other place is the band shell. I mean, yeah. You know? I, I remember going to space. see Shakespeare in the Park at the band shell. I do, shell. too. Yeah. And we need to make it more a better experience because it's just hot as hell when you're mm-hmm. out there. Uh, and it has basically no back of house or front of house. I mean, we literally couldn't give it away during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we will have an ability to use that. And the symphony came back and played at Fair Park beginning of March, I think. And... You know, I said to Kim Nolte from from the Simi, we'd love to have you come back. You know, um, definitely. We, you know, if it's if it's L.A. Symphony, Dudamel is playing the Hollywood Bowl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We could do the same thing. We could do the same thing. That would be we that would do be the fascinating. Same thing there, so you have multiple venues that offer you the the concert experience, whether it's the Coliseum or the Bandshell or the Cotton Bowl for, well, Coldplay is coming up next. It's a couple mm-hmm. of weeks from now, I think. Yeah. Um, Jean, they were up for a Grammy. Could you shocked. do me a favor and let the next show in? And meanwhile, I'm going to do our top of the hour and Valetta stick with us for a minute. Okay. And the next show is just coming in and setting up and as soon as they are, we'll scurry out of here. Um... Any plans for the Women's Museum building? Because that's a magnificent building. It was one of the oldest. It's my favorite. It's one of the oldest buildings there. It it is, and it gets used when these big events come in, like um, North Texas Irish Festival gets used, and the fair gets used. We looked at putting a school there, um, but it. It was a charter school in South Dallas once once the investment in their public schools rather than charter schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be looking for other potential tenants for that building. The, the good news is, the good news, bad news, it's on the edge of the campus. Mm-hmm. So it's good because you can function even during the fair. Mm-hmm. It's bad because in the sense that you're not close to another building to sort of get your cross-pollination. Now, we did a Christmas program called Enchant 
236,000 people came through. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, over a five-week period. Yeah. Um, which was crazy. But it was beautiful. Oh, my. It was so beautiful. Um, but that building and others can be used around. And you had an eight ice skating rink mm -hmm. up front of the Women's Museum. Valetta, I want to thank you for being here with us. Thank you. Come back again. Thank you. You know where we are now. I do know where you are Before now. Before we move again. <laughs> and David stood out front for me. I, I did. Aww. For thank all of you. us here at Lambda Weekly, have a good week.